listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Can we just give the Lord a hand this morning? Welcome to all of you who are here on site and to all of you who are watching us online. We'd like to welcome you to church uh, we are now ending our series on uh, nearness, and we hope that you are well today. Um, I think we uh, feel already uh, Christmas, and you know, starting September, actually, we're feeling it already. And uh, I do hope that uh, you are all well and healthy and safe. Um, what a um, for me, what a relief that we are now taking out face shield already, and uh, we don't have to. You know, when we were. I think earlier this year, uh, whenever we would enter the mall, the guard would always remind us, please, face shield, sir, face shield, sir. And now when we would enter the mall, please take off your face shield, sir. Take off your face shield, sir. What a relief. Okay, so how many of you that things are getting better and better and better and better and better? <laughs> Praise God. And so, um, you know, I believe that God's favor is upon all of us. And even as we, you know, uh, finish this series, I hope that you're all encouraged with the faithfulness of God. He is a covenant-keeping God. And we've entitled this series, Nearness, because I believe that God wants us to feel that He is near. Not just in a matter of proximity, but in a matter of intimacy. And how many of you are feeling that God is drawing us closer and closer to Him every single day? And for those of you who are watching... I do hope that you would have a sense, uh, even in your own home, how many of you know that God is not bound by space or time, but, you know, God's everywhereness is present anywhere and anytime. And so God is faithful for His covenant with His people, and it tells of the victory, you know, as we end the series, this is actually the uh, sixth installment of the Nearness series. We're going to have a couple of weeks for series break, and then we'll pick up in December Go back to Isaiah again and talk about Christmas. Wow, Pasko na kagad, no? And so, uh, you know, we're going to talk about God's victory today and how God values His people. And how many of you know that God values each and every one of us? Do you realize that every time you face God, that actually God puts a smile on, your, on His face every time He sees your face? God smiles at you. God is happy to see you. God is excited every time He sees you come to Him. You know, not just come to church, but just the fact that you are alive and well. How many of you know that God is happy that you are okay? Amen. And so, I just wanted to say this. God is not mad at you. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, God's not mad at you. In fact, what I want to say is God is pleased with you. Nothing with what we have done, everything with what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. It's all by His grace. And the reason why we need to have a God consciousness is because God did it through Christ on our behalf. You know, He rejoices in us every time He sees us. And I'd like to just, you know, go ahead and read the Scripture text for us this morning. And I'd like to invite everybody to open up to Isaiah chapter 62 so that you can understand the context of what I'm saying. This is God speaking, and I believe that He wants to bring encouragement and joy and security in our hearts today. So Isaiah chapter 62, in fact, what we plan to do is we'll be reading 
all of it. The entire chapter, don't worry, it's not too long. Just 12 verses. I'd like to invite everybody to stand up and uh, let's give attention to the Word of God. Let's respect the reading of God's Word this morning. Isaiah chapter 62, beginning in verse 1 to verse 12. And I'd love for you to listen closely to every line and take it and claim it as God's Word speaking to each of you personally. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Verse 4, You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be turned, termed desolate, but you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem. And make it a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by His right hand and by His mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored, but those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Verse 10, go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, Lift up the signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Verse 12, And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you are pleased every time we come to you, that we are not just servant, servants, but we are your sons and daughters. And I pray, God, that you would allow us to feel and, Lord, accept the fact that you have put us and have placed a high value in us, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you would encourage your people today. May the Holy Spirit bless the preaching of His Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You know, one of our favorite movies in the family, well, when my, at least when my kids were younger, was Toy Story, the series. How many of you are familiar with the Toy Story movie of Disney, Pixar? 
And in 2019, Toy Story 4 came out and was released. And it introduced a new character. Now, how many of you are familiar with Woody and Buzz and Bo Peep and Slinky and Mr. Potato Head? You know, I love the movie. I mean, I, you can actually just watch it over and over and over again. And in 2019, Toy Story 4, when it came out, it actually introduced a new character named Forky. How many of you know who Forky is? Forky. Forky Pig. Now, Forky is actually made of a disposable uh, wooden spork. And Andy, the original owner of the toys, was bound for college. And what he did was he donated all his toys to a girl named Bonnie. Because I guess, not that he is tired of the toys, but he outgrew the toys. Now, how many of you still play with your toys, G.I. Joe, up to now, now that you're married? I guess some of us have that as a collector's item, right? But in the case of Andy, he wanted the toys to be valued. And he wanted the toys to fulfill their purpose. And so what he did was he donated the, the toys to Bonnie, a little girl. Now, one day, Bonnie... This little girl starts her first day in kindergarten, and she was trying to find her place in her class. And so what she did was, she creates a toy made of disposable white plastic spork. And she stuck googly eyes. How many of you are familiar with that? Googly eyes, and she put rubber band for the mouth and for the eyebrows. And then she twisted some red pipe cleaner around his, this spork, the slender body, as his hands, and Forky came alive. And Forky, though, had some identity crisis. In fact, he had some existential crisis. He thought he was trash, but Bonnie thinks he is her precious toy. Now, every time... Forky would see the trash can, he would actually throw himself into the trash can because he thinks his trash. Now, how many of you keep your plastic spoon and fork after eating a salad or after eating chicken joy? Do you keep it in your bag or do you dispose it in the trash can? So somehow, Forky thought that his purpose in life is always just to be disposed. But for Bonnie, Bonnie sees Forky differently and he became her favorite toy, even better than Andy and Buzz Lightyear. Uh, sorry, Woody and Buzz Lightyear. In fact, Woody would always try to rescue Forky, you know, if you watch the movie. He would always try to rescue Forky and would convince him that Bonnie loves him. And he is the source of joy to Bonnie. Now, how many of us can actually relate with Forky? Sometimes we feel that, like we're ugly or we're useless or we're, we're like, you know, uh, there's no purpose in life. We have so many insecurities. We have so much identity crisis. You know, we, we feel like trash and we keep on throwing ourselves back to trash. We feel like there's no future ahead of us. We feel like there's no value in us, but yet we fail to realize that our creator and our maker has actually put so much value in us. We just need to see it. You and I are loved, and you and I are made and created for a purpose. Amen. 
And I believe that many of us today need to hear this truth. Because many times we feel that we have failed God miserably because, you know, we could not keep up with His commands. We couldn't read the Bible. We couldn't pray. We couldn't come to church. And we feel like the basis of God's love for us is somehow on what we do or how we perform or how good we are or how righteous we become. But church, I want you to receive this. You are the object of God's love. God loves you dearly and God loves you deeply and God values you. And God would give anything He can give just so that you can be His. And He did that. Being the object of God's love will change our identity. If you have this revelation, God loves me, would that not give you a purpose in life? It'll change the way you look at yourself. It'll remove your insecurity. It'll suddenly change your value. Suddenly, you feel valuable and loved and affirmed and, you, you know, somehow someone has affection towards us. It'll change the direction of our life. There's going to be a 360-degree turn from, you know, wanting to pursue the world to now pursuing God because we are loved. It'll change our future. Let me submit to you that it will definitely change your life. Because God loves us. And how does God show His love for us? I want to share three things, three thoughts for all of us today. How does God show His love for us? Number one, God patiently, and I want to emphasize patiently. Everybody say patiently. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, can you type there patiently? God patiently transforms us. And I think we already have known that we are all work in progress, right? God is, we are in the process of being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. But can you imagine there is a big gap right now where we are and what we ought to be, right? How many of you see that gap? Can you please raise your hand? You know, andito tayo ngayon, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to please God, we're trying to be there, we're trying to obey His Word, but yet God's standard is way up here, and there's a big gap. But God is not going to give up on us. Amen. In fact, we see this in verse 1 to 3, verses 1 to 3, that God will not keep silent. He will not keep quiet. He's so passionate about this and He's committed to this that He will do everything He can to see us change. The church, the bride. How many of you are part of the church? Please raise your hand. Ecclesia, the called out ones, the changed ones. We are the church. Amen. You, come, you don't come to church. We are the church. The church comes to the building. Amen. This morning, before we started, this place was empty because the church is not yet here. But now the church is here. Church is an ingathering of His people. For those of you watching, you are the church. As a community, we are the church, and God is committed to see us, His church, His bride, to reflect His righteousness. What an amazing truth. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about this, that Jesus is making us holy because we are His bride. 
cleansing us with the water of His Word, making us radiant. Everyone say radiant. Radiant. Radiant without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Jesus is committed to doing that for us. In fact, He will not rest until He sees His righteousness going forth as brightness in our salvation as a bright torch. That's how committed God is to us. We have a visible righteousness seen by the watching world. That's how much committed God is. He will not stop. He will not keep silent. He will not, you know, he, he will always break forth and He will not be quiet about this. He wants to show to the world that we are His treasured possession. He wants to show to the world that we are His prized, you know, uh, children and His family. And the Gentiles will see our righteousness. It will be attracted attractive to them. They would want to see and be part of the family of God. In fact, in verse 3, it says that we are given a new name. God called us. God made us. Not only did He restore us, but He also gave us a new name. Kind of like when you get married for you brides, you change your name into your husband's name. We are the bride of Christ. We are given a new name. When God gave His Son to us, and we accepted His sacrifice, we are now given a brand new heart, a brand new life, and guess what? A brand new righteousness demands a brand new name so that we can be reflecting of the glory of God. We've been adopted into His family with all rights and benefits. You know, Someone who's adopted into a new family, guess what? He becomes a legitimate son or daughter in that family with all the benefits and all the rights. And we are children of the King. Amen. We get all the rights. We get all the benefits. And God loves us dearly. We are the object of God's affection. I want you to receive that today. For those of you watching, you are the object of God's affection. You are the apple of God's eyes. God loves you deeply. And some of us are probably having a difficult time accepting this. Really? Then why is all this thing happening to me? Why do I go through life having so many challenges and difficulties and trials and afflictions? If God does love me, why am I going all through this? It doesn't change the fact that God loves us. We go through life because, you know, as children, you know, in fact, my reading this morning was Hebrews chapter 12. God shows His love for His children by disciplining His children. How many of you are parents? You don't have to raise your hand. And if your children needs to be disciplined, you discipline your children. Is it because you don't love them? No, because you love them. In fact, if we don't get disciplined, it's a sign that we are illegitimate sons, the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 12. But because God so loved us, he is careful to discipline us because He wants to conform us into the image of His Son, Jesus. You know what? God sees us as beautiful children, not rebels. You're not a rebel. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you're not a rebel. Sometimes lang. <laughs> but God sees us as beautiful children. You are beautiful in His eyes. You got to receive that truth. God is devoted to us. 
And He's telling us, you are the object of my affection. I love you. You are my glory. You are my delight. You are my crown. The crown of beauty and my royal diadem. I mean, he said that in His Word. We are a crown of beauty. You shall be called a crown of beauty, verse 3, and a royal diadem. Let me clarify. We don't have a crown. We are the crown. A crown speaks of something of value and worth. For those of you ladies who love collecting jewelry, you probably can imagine how many carats of you know, diamonds and how, you know, gold there is on a crown. And when God says, you are my crown of beauty, He's looking at us. He's looking at you personally. Me, a crown? Yes, the church. It speaks of value. It speaks of the authority of God. A royal diadem, talking about the authority that God has. We receive a new name, a new nature. I hope that you will accept that. But God does not only transforms us into His image. Second point is God delights in us. God just loves being with you and me. He delights in you. In verse 4, it says, You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall, be no more, uh, no, shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called, My delight is in her. Hefziba in Hebrew. And your land married, or biula. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. You know, Israel has been forsaken because of what she has gone through. Or do we know what had happened in, you know, the book of Isaiah? As Israel has rebelled against the Lord, God allowed foreign invaders to come and take her into exile. First Babylon, and then the Persian Empire. And somehow people of God felt that they are forsaken because they were under the rulership of a foreign army. But God is now declaring to them, no longer will you be forsaken and no longer will your land be des desolate. How many of you can relate with that? During this pandemic, somehow we feel forsaken. We feel that our land is under, you know, it's, being, it's, it's desolate. There's just so much disaster that we have gone through as a people, not only in the Philippines, but all throughout the world. And you might be saying today that, you know, my name, you're taking it personally now. My name is forsaken, Pastor. Literally. I've gone through that. I feel forsaken by God. I feel desolate. I feel hopeless. I feel unclean. I feel desperate. I feel that there's no hope for me. But God is clarifying this for us today. He is defining you and He's changing your name. Your name is no longer going to be forsaken. You're no longer going to be defined by your past mistakes and your past uh, you know, sins. Amen. God is giving us a transformation and is giving us a breakthrough by His grace. Amen. We're no longer desolate. No longer forsaken. He's given us a new name. In fact, the imagery that God used here is the bridegroom with his bride. You know, that he delights over us. He's the bridegroom, 
And we are the bride. Now, how many of you, how many of you, how many of you are married? Here? Please raise your hand. You're married. Okay, you can relate with me. How many of you wish? Uh, don't, don't raise your hand anymore. He delights over us as a bridegroom. We are the bride. He rejoices over us. Remember the time when you got married? I remember still the day. February 24, 1990. And it was early morning. We had a morning wedding because it was cheaper. <laughs> Breakfast. It was done in Silais Hotel. No longer there. I don't know what it's called now. Somewhere along Ross Boulevard. I remember I was the first one inside the venue and the waiters were not yet ready with the venue. In fact, there was a big party the night before and the waiter, I found the waiter sleeping inside the ballroom. And the wedding is about to start in an hour. So I woke up the waiters and I said, it's time to fix this place. And in like 30 minutes, they fixed everything. And I remember that day, when my bride came into that door and she was the most beautiful person in that place. It didn't matter whether the waiters were late in fixing it. it I don't care. We didn't have wedding coordinators during that time, 1990. All I can remember right now is my beautiful bride walking that aisle and when I saw her face, when I see her face, <laughs> I actually cried. Eh, di ba gusto dati yung mga kumakanta, you know, the, the bridegroom singing a song for their bride. I don't know how to sing. But I felt like my heart was singing when I saw her. Her beauty was radiant. It was just all over the place. Thirty-one years after, I still love her with the same intensity and same passion. I, I don't know why. Sometimes you don't get how much God loves us. He delights in us. We are His bride. And I believe that when we know that God loves us deeply, the way a bridegroom would love a bride, it'll change the way you relate with God. You're not going to work for Him. You're going to relate with Him. You're going to be excited to sit down and not be in a hurry and enjoy His presence and read the word and say, Speak, Lord, for your bride is listening. And just enjoy the presence. This morning when I woke up, I knew I'm going to preach today because that's my job as a pastor and as a preacher. First thing I did was to meet my father. I didn't read my notes on Isaiah chapter 62. I read my devotion today because I want to hear the voice of my father. 
It changes the way we relate with God every time we know that God loves us so much. And I believe that when Jesus was walking on that Calvary road, yes, it was a painful time. He's going to go on his way to death. The reality is every time God sees us, God is not waiting for us to make a mistake to punish us because Jesus already did that for us. He wants to make a way so that He can show His affection for us. I believe that the pain of the cross 2,000 years ago is equivalent to a wedding day joy. You know, we could imagine that the crown of thorns on his head actually brought so much pain. But for Jesus, he sees that as a bridegroom headdress. You see the blood-stained robe that eventually were stolen by the soldiers that he was wearing on the way to the cross. But for Jesus, he saw that as a wedding garment. In fact, Calvary pain for him is wedding day joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, when Jesus was going to the cross, he was not looking at the cross that's going to be painful. He's imagining what's beyond that cross and the joy that is set before him. You know who that joy is? That's us, the church, the bride. He's imagining your faces. He's now looking at you, each one of us personally. He died for you because He loves you deeply. You are His joy. You are His delight. You are the love of His life. You are the apple of His eyes. You are His crown. You are His signet ring. You got to accept that. You are His precious child, His bride. For Him, I believe it's, just, it's worth it. It's worth giving my life for my bride. Zephaniah chapter 3 somehow talks about this as well. Now, if you would study the timeline of Isaiah and Zephaniah, Isaiah was actually living about 730, 750 BC. And then Zephaniah, when he started prophesying for the Lord against the evil kings of Israel, that was about 650 BC, so about 100 years apart. But I believe that the same Holy Spirit who spoke to Isaiah was speaking through Zephaniah. And Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst. The, one, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. And He will exult over you with loud singing. Can you imagine these two prophets, 100 years apart, they're basically saying the same thing. God loves you. God delights in you. 
He rejoices over you with singing. You know, I'm trying to imagine when God sees us. Try to imagine this for a moment. When God sees you in the morning, the moment you open your eyes, the moment you wake up, the moment you put on your makeup, I say a little prayer for you. No, just look here. But the moment that you wake up, the moment that you actually, you know, greet God, you know what God's going to do whenever He sees us? You know, He's going to dance. He's shouting for joy. He's singing a praise because my child is awake. And I'm excited to see my child, my daughter, my son. He rejoices over us in singing. Now, how do we view our relationship with God? You know, many times we view God out of fear. And that's fine because, yeah, He is Lord. He is judge. He is creator. He is master. He is king. But sometimes, many times, we look at Him with fear, with awe, with reverence. My question for us today is, can we relate with Him as a father, as a friend, as our bridegroom, as a close companion, etc.? Can we relate with God in that aspect? And I believe that we must view God with the right lens. Yes, Jesus is Lord and King, but He is also a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Do we see Him just as a judge? Or do we see him also as a friend? It's interesting that Isaiah, the one who prophesied this, saw him, Isaiah chapter 6, in the temple as a mighty king, glorious, sitting on his throne, and his train, the glory of God, filling the temple. I mean, he saw it. He fell before his knees. And he was worshiping the God with authority because King Hezekiah died. Or Uzziah died. But in the same breath, the same uh, 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 prophet, Isaiah, in chapter 62, he actually now is talking about a bridegroom. He's now seeing him as one who fights for him, as one who loves him, as one who delights in him. Do we see God in those two terms? God is neither one nor the other. He is both. He is Lord, yes, He's King, but He's also our friend. He's our lover, and He's our bridegroom. You know, one of Jesus' closest friends was the Apostle John. And, you know, John would always lean near the chest of Jesus every time, I don't know, they would have like a, you know, lunch. You know, he would actually lean in. He was the closest to Jesus. He's a good friend. He wrote in his letter, the apostle that Jesus loved. He was so secure about God's love. But yet this same apostle wrote the book of Revelation. And in that book, he also wrote that he was in the island of Patmos. And he saw Jesus with blazing eyes and drawn sword. And he fell on his knees in reverence. He saw both. Friendship and fear. Intimacy and awe. Relationship and reverence. We need to see God in both terms. But when we understand that God delights in us, then it gives us a different motive on how we relate with Him. Suddenly, we're more interested in knowing who He is and how we can relate with Him more and how we are a child of God. And we want to find out more about Him as we read our Bibles because it's not going to be work anymore. It's going to be our relationship. He is 
our Father. He'll change the way you pray. He'll change the way you talk to God. He'll change the way you seek God every single day. You're not going to be in a hurry. You're going to enjoy His presence because you know that God is interested in you and He delights in you. And that's exactly what I need to have every single day, God's affirmation. I long for God's affirmation, not the affirmation of man. It doesn't matter how many likes you receive on IG or FB or if nobody liked your heart heart or whatever. Because you know that the one who created the entire universe loves you deeply. Amen. Come on now. Can we give the Lord praise for that? He loves us and He's madly in love with us and He's full of affection for us and He delights in us. That's what matters. And many times we, we live for the accolade of men. I'd rather live for the applause of my God. And I don't have to work for it anymore. It's done. It's there. You just have to receive it. Every single day, just receive that fact and that truth that God loves you. You're not trying to appease Him. Jesus did that for you already. Jesus already went to the cross, paid the penalty for our sins. Yes, there are days that we still stumble and fall. There are days that we wake up, you know, we, we blow it. We have unforgiveness. We have offenses. We have lusts. We are greedy. We, we you know, we, we sin before the Lord. But all your sins as a child of God have already been paid for by Jesus on the cross. And how God sees you? Precious. Precious. <laughs> No, He loves you. You're beautiful. But do we believe that? Do we accept that? Do you actually believe that when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, all your past, present, and future sins have been paid for? That nothing can take you away from His hands. That we have a secure destination in heaven someday when we die. That's that. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. God's pleased with you. God loves you deeply. And He is delighting in you. And I believe that the visible, tangible marker that we know that God delights in us is the overwhelming joy that we have in our hearts. You know people who are Christians who have deep joy in their hearts, they have the revelation that God loves me no matter what. God loves me no matter what because it, it's, it will bring you joy in your heart. No matter what happens, God loves me. And you'll be comfortable. I believe that you'll be comfortable, more comfortable hanging out with your father than with a judge. Right? That's why in our church, we have a me and my dad camp, not me and my judge, my judge camp. It's me and my dad. We enjoy hanging out with our father. And we enjoy hanging out with our God. My last point is I'm about to close. God fights. God will fight for us. What the enemy has meant for evil, God will turn around for good. Amen. We've, we've sang that song earlier. God will fight our battle. Verse 6, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day, and all the night. And I appreciate the watchmen that we have in our church. You know, when you talk about watchmen, these are like the, the prayer warriors and the prophetic team that we have. You know, we, 
we appreciate them and we are grateful for those who are constantly praying and standing in the gap for us. In fact, you know, I want to appreciate every volunteer we have in our Can we just give the Lord a hand for all the volunteers we have, all the prayer warriors, all the worship team. I see the ushers. Praise God. We now have ushers in church. They're back. They shall never hold their peace day and night. Grateful for their ministry. Verse 8, it says, oh, sorry, um, I'd like to uh, read some uh, quote from Spurgeon. He says, A restless Savior calls upon His people to be restless and to make the Lord Himself restless. To give Him no rest till His chosen city is in full splendor, His chosen church complete and glorious. God will not rest until we are completely holy and righteous, and He has trampled His enemies under His feet. Amen. That's how committed God is for us. In verse 8, it says, The Lord has sworn by His right hand and by His mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. Now, I believe that the Lord has sworn or taken an oath by His right hand. And, you know, every time we make an oath, and, you know, of course, God, Jesus is saying, let your yes be yes, your no be no. But, you know, back in the day, every time a person makes an oath, we swear by something that is greater than ourselves. But how many of you know there's no one greater than God? That's why when God says, I swear and I, I make a promise by my right hand, what He's saying is, be sure of this, as long as I live, this will happen. This will come to pass. And that's why when God gives us a promise in Scripture, make sure that you believe it because it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. By His right hand, by His mighty power. The promise is no more will Jerusalem or Zion or the church be plundered by those who would steal her grain and her new wine. I believe that God is going to do a mighty restoration in these last days for the church. What the enemy has stolen from us, he will have to pay it back sevenfold. Amen. God will be your recompense. God will be your vindicator. God will be your provider. Amen. We need to believe that. Come on now. By His mighty power, by His right hand. And I can imagine... God saying to His enemies who are plundering His children, just like in this movie, what I do, I do have very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that will make me a nightmare to people like you. And I can imagine God saying that to His enemies. And if you let my church go now, that will be the end of it. But if, you, if not, I will pursue you, and I will look for you, and I will find you, and I will blank, blank. You know, God is committed to making sure that His people will have the victory at the end of it all. He will make sure with His mighty hand, with His power. Amen. That's why, church, 
There's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. We're so secure in the Lord. All you've got to do is to receive that God will restore what the enemy has stolen from you. I believe that God will restore you. He will heal you. And, you know, I understand some healing will take time. Sometimes it'll take a lifetime. But nonetheless, God will be true to His Word. Amen. What He promised, He will do. What He promised, He will fulfill. It will come to pass. God will restore, and those who shall gather it will eat it, and ultimately we will praise the Lord. You know, ultimately Jesus fought for us in Calvary. And His mighty arm became weak, and it was nailed on the cross. And He bore those nail marks upon His hands so that He can defeat the enemy of our soul. And He continues to fight for us as He triumphs over sin and death. He continues to fight for us so that He can give us a new life and a new purpose and a new meaning. And it seems like the enemy thought that he won over Jesus, but you know what? Jesus was winning His bride. He purchased us. He redeemed us. He fights for us. He wants to break our bondages. He breaks our curses. He wants to cut off all our affliction. He bled and He died for us. And was raised to life so that He can bring us life and so that we can enjoy the benefits as children of God. Full benefits of the bride for His Father. And behold, His reward is with Him. And when the Messiah comes to Zion, I believe that God will give His reward for us. Going back to Forky, next time you feel like your life sucks and you feel like trash, purposeless, just remember the cross. Just remember the cross and the passion of the Christ. He is so passionate for us. He calls us mine. You are mine. You are no longer forsaken. You are no longer desolate. You are the object of His affection. You are the object of His unconditional love. He fights for us. He will save us. He delights in us. And every time we meet Him, He sings for us. And He is waiting to give His reward for us. Revelation chapter 22, and I'd like to close. 22 verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to His word. Big idea, as you come to a close, our Father deeply loves us and joyfully delights in us. I hope that you will take that truth today, church. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. There's nothing that you can do to add to His love for you. His love is already there. It's perfect, unconditional. He gave everything He can give to us. He gave His one and only Son. That's why we need to hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is always faithful. Let us bow our heads.
Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.